Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. Having America Makes, the national accelerator for additive manufacturing, come to town was transformational for us. Um, but I think that what I would give YBI credit for is just trying to be opportunistic and find those partners and create the, take the opportunities that are here and turn them into something real. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're a entrepreneur out there, especially in Eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian Meets World, we're back. It's Will. And Neil, what's up, my man? Hey, it seems like a while. You know what I mean? It's a couple throwback episodes the last couple of weeks. I do, I do. Some of our old stuff's better than our new stuff, so you might as well kick it in there every now and then, right? I wanted to ask you, since I haven't talked to you in a few weeks since Halloween, you never gave an update on the haunted barn. How'd it go? Oh, it was incredible, Will. Over <laughs> over 300 people went through. I mean, it was a fantastic night. People were scared to death. The weather was a little cold, but 549 trick-or-treaters, over 300 people partaked in the haunted house. It was a good time. Kids loved it. <laughs> How do you know 549? Like, not 550, 549. You got a neighbor that uses a clicker, man. <laughs> they, they track things around here. <laughs> because that makes a difference. He just likes to do it, man. You know how people are. It's like the, his thing. Every year, he counts. He's like waiting on the kids to see how much candy he needs to project for next year, I guess. I don't know. We won't harp on this, but I got to ask, what was your part in the haunted barn? So I was at the beginning and the first section as a clown. Um, I popped out from behind a doorway right before they went by a, a casket that had a child laying in it and another child underneath the casket grabbing their ankles. I think that's fitting. You were the clown. <laughs> of course. As a lot of people, you know, I was just trying to make people happy. I wasn't trying to scare them. So I, I gave them something to look at in the beginning and then to distract them from the coffin that they were walking by. I'm glad I'm glad it went well. I, I wanted to ask you if uh, you're being affected by the fires there in eastern Kentucky and central Appalachia. No, it hasn't made it down here uh, to us, but, you know, lots of people are and I like to keep those people in our thoughts and prayers for sure. You know, Eastern Kentucky has been affected by a lot of different things over the last couple of years. Fires is just another, just another natural uh, disaster that, you know, not sure, not, not, not sure what we could have done, but either way, uh, the people of Eastern Kentucky suffer again. So uh, I hope, I hope they can find a way to get those under control. Yeah, man, floods and fires. I don't know what's next, like a volcano or eruption. I don't know. One of those mountains, they're so high over there. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, 
eruption out the top of Pine Mountain. I, I got a pet peeve to ask you about. Is, is it something I've done? No, no. Immediately <laughs> after Halloween, my neighbor put up their Christmas lights. Of course they did. Now, now is it just me or is that way too early? Way too early. Way too early. I mean, I, I'm all about the Christmas season. Don't get me wrong, but I, I guess Thanksgiving doesn't matter. That, I mean, that's my, yeah. They, we just forget about Thanksgiving. I don't get it. I know. Like, uh, it, it bothers me every year, and it gets earlier and earlier every year. You know, the anticipation of Christmas is something that we all look forward to, but I really don't understand what, like, use that Thanksgiving weekend to be with your family, celebrate, and then get the Christmas stuff out. One of our favorite episodes coming up, Thanksgiving. And uh, here I'm being blinded by Christmas lights from my neighbors. Can I can I make a confession, though? Sure. My wife does have one Christmas tree up. Oh, I do it. With I do it. In the house or outside? In t- inside. Well, uh, okay. Have you already turned the lights on on it? Couple times, just because the three year old's got to see him. But it's not like a constant. No, no, okay. not a constant. Yeah, it's just well, a, I'm okay with that because it's here, not, here it's not decorated yet. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine then, because I can understand putting lights up because it tends to get colder and colder the closer to Thanksgiving you get. So if you get a warm day, put your lights up, but don't turn them on. Don't turn them on, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I have to admit. My lights are up, but they're not on. <laughs> smart, smart. So now that we've talked about Halloween and the Christmas season and a little touch of Thanksgiving, do you have any Appalachian news for me? Yeah, man, I, I got a little bit for you. Speaking of the Christmas season, the national Christmas tree this year again is an Appalachian Christmas tree. Apparently the tree they had some had some kind of fungal disease, so they brought a 40-foot Norway spruce from Monongahela National Forest in, out of West Virginia. So it's uh, an Appalachian Christmas tree again this year. Awesome. I love it. I also wanted to mention there's a taking place tomorrow, Saturday, November 18th, from China to Appalachia at the Floyd Country Store. If you don't, don't know about the Floyd Country Store, uh, you need to check it out. It's this little country store that's been having music and jams for I don't know how long, but I mean, they bring people from all over the world to come to this little part of Eastern Kentucky, little part of Appalachian, Floyd, Kentucky. It's called the Floyd Country Store. Look it up. We'll post it in the show notes, but they're having something special tomorrow. It's with Kathy Fink, a Grammy award-winning American roots singer songwriter. She's with Marty Markser and a Chinese Hammer dulcimer expert, Chow Tian. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's been a while but, since we talked about the old dulcimer, baby. Yeah, the hammer dulcimer. So it's yeah. been China to Appalachia. So if you're around that area, check it out, the Floyd Country Store. Uh, they just announced EDA funding for 31 tech hubs. And I wanted to mention that because three of those hubs are in Appalachia. The Birmingham Biotechnology Hub which is AI-driven biotechnology, the South Carolina Nexus for Advanced Resiliency, and the New Energy New York Battery Tech Hub. South Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Obviously, New York's New York, and Birmingham's Alabama. So th- those are the three 
that are in Appalachia. And this is a large investments by EDA to these areas to drive commercialization and deploy technology to make these innovation centers or tech hubs. And on top of that, the last piece of news, it's Global Entrepreneurship Week. I wanted to mention that because of the guests that we're having on tonight and wanted to reference the Youngstown Business Incubator right here in Appalachia, which, Neil, if you don't know, has been named in the past the number one university-affiliated incubator in the world. Not the nation, not the state, not the region in the world. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I always like to hear from uh, from people that you know help entrepreneurs, uh, and I don't know if you could get a better a better person than who we got on today representing one of the best organizations in the world. Yeah, and this incubator. I, when I think of incubators, I think of buildings that produce jobs, and that's exactly mm -hmm. what they're doing over there in Youngstown, creating jobs, creating innovative technologies out of their incubator but you know you and i aren't the experts but miss barb ewing is you want to just get her on here absolutely let's do it here in northeast ohio back in 1803 james and danny heaton found the it was lined in yellow creek they built a blast furnace there along the shore And they made the cannonballs that helped the Union win the war Here in Youngstown, here in Youngstown My sweet Jenny, I'm sinking down here, darling, in Youngstown. In line with Global Entrepreneurship Week, we have a special guest on today. It's Barb Ewing. She has a long career in the community and economic development in Youngstown, Ohio, and currently is the CEO of the Youngstown Business Incubator, recognized in 214 as the number one universally affiliated incubator in the world and still is top of its class today. Thank you, Barb, for taking the time to be on the program. We know you're busy, but we definitely appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Doing lots of work in the region and in both technology-based economic development and traditional economic development, and it's always good to be able to spread the word. And we want to dive right into that, but first we have a question that we ask everyone, and we wanted to ask you. Neil and I, our family, we're big on tradition, big on history, as most Appalachians. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at our holidays. Like we have this gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you real quick, do you have a favorite appetizer? Uh, well, I have a ridiculous favorite appetizer, but it's still my <laughs> favorite appetizer. When I was little, my grandmother uh, wanted to try to encourage me to cook without being too much of a nuisance. So I had, I was always in charge of the um, celery filled with, with cream cheese, but to make yes. it fancy, we cut up olives and put olives and olive juice in it to give it a, um, a livelier flavor. And that remains my favorite just because she let me do it. And, you know, everything else is good, but nothing tops my celery with cream cheese in it. Nice, nice. That's a that's a great answer. I know I've always had the ants on a log, which is 
I guess, peanut butter and raisins and celery, but that's a perfect answer. I never had the olive oil juice. Oh, yeah. It makes it just slightly different than, than your average celery and cream cheese. We appreciate the answer. Now that we have that out of the way, we just wanted to get right into the uh, Youngstown Business Incubator, what a lot of people refer to as YBI. So I just wanted to ask you just, you know, for our listeners, maybe that's some that don't know, just what is YBI? What's your mission? Okay. Well, we are a very diverse economic development organization. So we try to find gaps in our community and that community is defined very broadly um, and fill those gaps. So we started as a technology incubator 30 years ago, working just with software companies. A little more than a decade ago, we had the opportunity to add advanced manufacturing and specifically additive manufacturing to that portfolio of programs because we became the home for um, the National Lab on Additive Manufacturing or 3D Printing, and we can go into that more. We have programs to support entrepreneurs in uh, software, um, advanced manufacturing, healthcare, and anything else that lands on our plate if we can find a way to help them. We're also a technology resource for manufacturers, trying to help them figure out, not just manufacturers, I'm sorry, manufacturers, the Department of Defense. We have some pretty sophisticated contracts, and we work with those partners to help them understand how and when to use additive manufacturing, industrial IoT, whatever kind of technology can make them more cost-effective. Um, we've got a team of soon-to-be five engineers that work directly on those projects. At any given time, we have between 3 to $4 million worth of projects going on. We're the Minority Business Assistance Center for the Eastern Corridor of Ohio. Um, all of those counties are in Appalachia. So it runs from Ashtabula County on the lake down to Monroe County, um, well down into the border counties with West, West Virginia. And um, we can work with any woman, veteran, or minority-based business or socially or economically disadvantaged business. So just about any company in that footprint is qualified and have a wide range of programs to support that. And we have a burgeoning youth entrepreneurship and augmented reality program. Um, a young woman is doing great things trying to get the entrepreneurship bug and the STEM bug uh, instilled in our young people, um, giving them a vision for the future that they might not otherwise have. You, you answered a lot of my follow-up questions <laughs> already. Oh, well, we're done here. <laughs> Nothing more to see. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to ask you specifically about some of that programming. You know, like you said, YBI started 30 years ago, but it wasn't an overnight success. I know it took you several years just to get funding, to find physical space. You're For some of the listeners that don't know, you're in the Mahoning Valley of Ohio in, in Appalachia, right there in the center of Youngstown. And, you know, you started, like you said, with a singular focus really around software development but have also grown into that additive or advanced manufacturing focus. But you also mentioned other things, other programming that you've grown into, the minority, the socioeconomic class of entrepreneurs, but also the Lake to River Small Business Success uh, Program, which is specifically focused on those Appalachian counties or Appalachian communities. I know you were powered through an, an, an ARC power grant in regards to that, but 
just uh, maybe you could say like how YBI started and why it was important to grow into these other programmings, especially around the DEI, you know, DEI is so important today, but especially around the minorities, the socioeconomic impacted communities and the Appalachian communities as well. So when YBI was formed, it was right around the early 90s and things just couldn't be any worse. Steel mills had collapsed. Uh, manufacturing was leaving the Mahoning Valley in uh, droves. I assume that was probably early NAFTA, mid-NAFTA. A YSU professor was interviewed on one of the major networks and he made a comment about you could shoot off a cannon in the down the west side of downtown and not hurt anybody. And so... To start to address that program, uh, that problem, a lot of leaders in the community, a lot of visionary people decided to take advantage of a federal program, the U.S. Economic Development Administration, to get some funding to start an entrepreneurship program, creating businesses in the downtown. And we started off as a general purpose incubator, did some good work, had some small successes, and one that has really um, burgeoned into a very successful minority-owned business, manufacturing business. In 2000, when Governor Voinovich took over uh, the reins, the state decided that if we were going to continue to get the state funding to support our programming, we had to align with one of seven different technology fields. And um, we're very pragmatic. So if the state says align, we align because we needed that funding and chose technology as a place to launch. Um, software, if you're not familiar with it, software is relatively inexpensive to develop. It's fast to market, fast to fail, unlike healthcare technologies or um, advanced energy, which can you know take a whole lot longer and a whole lot more money to get to market. And we didn't have a, a base of research um, that to develop technologies to go commercialize. So software was an obvious choice. We stuck to our knitting for about a decade, um, did nothing but software, started expanding our campus to allow for our companies to graduate out of the incubator and into other space downtown. Um, and really, that was what started making us a driver for downtown redevelopment. Um, but as I've said before, we don't just work in downtown Youngstown. Um, we've got programs that span the 21 counties in Northeast Ohio, Across Appalachia, we just did an announcement with um, the Pittsburgh Green Building Alliance on um, a, a green building materials program. So we, we go where the programs take us. If we can see alignment and a need that we can fill, uh, we want to do that. For the minority business program, we were approached by the state because there was nobody willing to step in and take ownership of that program in this area. And it was a great opportunity for us to not only go into new areas and start supporting traditional businesses, but also to, to really give back more to the community that we work in. But our technology-based businesses don't necessarily fully reflect the diversity of this community. Um, we do have some diverse founders, but um, we saw that as an opportunity to really build relationships with our minority community and do good work that way too. So I think it's a mixture of both need and opportunity. We've got to see a path to sustainability, but um, our board is great in being willing to take some risks and to understand that you can have the best plan in the world, but you're going to, you're going to change that plan as you go forward. So, you know, we take calculated risks, but 
uh, with the understanding that we're going to adjust until we figure out how to make things work. You know, you mentioned the 21 counties that you serve in Northeast Ohio. As part of our podcast, Appalachia Meets World, we speak to regions outside of Appalachia, inside of Appalachia. Youngstown is actually in Appalachia, for some of those that don't know. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, do you think you being, I, I don't know if you were born in Youngstown, but you being a longtime uh, regional resident there, do you think that that area, the Mahoning Valley, recognizes as Appalachian, uh, maybe as other uh, areas across the region do? That's an interesting question. I'm actually from a little further south. I still live there. I'm in Columbiana County, which is only one county away. But um, when I was going to college at Kent State, my roommate, who was from Cleveland, laughed at my southern accent. And I guess I beat it out of myself because I don't hear it as much as I used to. But like if every time I said the word Keller um, instead of color, she would go into fits. So in my county, definitely completely aware that we are in Appalachia, Appalachia, however you want to say it. Um, in the Mahoning Valley, people are starting to understand it because the federal funding programs that come forward, but the person on the street probably doesn't fully understand it as much as maybe elected officials, county, city officials who see it as an opportunity for new sources of uh, program funding. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it may uh, have some impact on my next question. You know, I kind of wanted to ask that because we kind of started this podcast to dispel some of the misconceptions people have about Appalachia. But if you don't necessarily recognize as Appalachian, you may not be, be aware of a lot of those misconceptions. But when, you know, when you think, when a lot of people think of Appalachia, I think a major misconception is that it's not tech oriented, which can be far from the truth. Just look at YBI. How is YBI kind of overcome this misconception of, of Appalachia not being a tech hub, not being a tech-centered region to be one of the number one incubators in the world in our little pocket of Appalachia? Well, I, I guess it's that, I think it's an analogy of the water dripping on the rock. Uh, sooner or later, you make enough drips, you're going to get that rock to break. And that's just what we've had to do. Uh, my predecessor, Jim Costner, would talk about the first, the biggest challenge he faced when he was really getting the, incub- the, the software incubator up and running was getting locals to understand and believe that we had the capability of doing this in Youngstown. Um, he called it dispelling our disbelief in ourselves. I will say that, you know, it's not uncommon for us to face some skepticism of um, what we're capable of doing, but when people stop and understand how sophisticated the services that we provide are, um, when they hear that we were the number one university-affiliated incubator, that we've got relationships with companies from all across the world that are coming to Youngstown, including Israel and the West Coast of the United States, when they hear that we're an SBA growth accelerator, um, all of those things just start to change perception, and um, perception, as you know, is reality. So you do it every day. One of our portfolio companies, one of our entrepreneurs, talks about progress being like a turtle. You think that progress is linear, but actually on when a turtle moves, it kind of its right shoulder goes forward first, and then the left shoulder, right shoulder, left shoulder, and it just pushes along that way. And I think that's probably what's happened with us as well. Slowly but surely, people are starting to understand that great things are happening here and uh, that uh, there are opportunities. 
Yeah, and I think that Northeast Ohio, uh, even outside of Youngstown and the Appalachian area, ha has really become a burgeoning entrepreneurial ecosystem. Do you think YBI has played a large part in developing that ecosystem? You know, it's not easy to develop an ecosystem when you when you talk about that mindset from before. Do you think YBI has been a large part of that? Oh, I do. Absolutely. I, I will give credit to everybody. Lots of work went in, but, you know, lots of different organizations. Having America Makes, the National Accelerator for Additive Manufacturing, come to town was transformational for us. Um, but I think that what I would give YBI credit for is just trying to be opportunistic and find those partners and create the, take the opportunities that are here and turn them into something real. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that network and partnerships are really important in building that ecosystem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we would be nowhere without those those partnerships. Um, and everyone everyone is different, and everyone creates a a different chain of opportunities and different relationships. You you will do, achieve very little success on your own. Finding the right partners will make all the difference. You know, people hear about. Well, even if they don't know, uh, fully understand what it is, people hear about incubators, accelerators all the time. And 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 it's hard work to make an incubator or an accelerator successful. I mean, they fail all the time. Um, people try to start one all the time. They're failing. That was YBI from, from an operational standpoint, from a, a managerial standpoint. How has YBI been so successful is it the collaboration with Youngstown State? Is it the pro, uh, successful programming that you had? How do you just manage the operations successfully? Well, that ish, that question of um, being opportuni opportunistic and diversifying our portfolio of companies, I think, is really key to our sustainability. So we started off in one building, but as we saw the opportunity to add additional space to grow our companies into the market once they've launched. We created a revenue stream that helped to make us sustainable that other incubators in Northeast Ohio didn't have. Um, we didn't have to just rely upon, upon philanthropy. We had rental income that came to us. And at, the more we built out our campus, and we're now up to five buildings and starting conversations about number six, the revenue stream has become more and more important. We started off our technology adoption program, understanding that it would generate revenue for us, but we, I think, no idea how transformational that would have been for us. So during the very dark times of COVID, when lease space couldn't be given away, our advanced manufacturing team were still generating results, very good results, helping companies succeed, but also generating revenue to help sustain the organization as a whole. The WE program and our Minority Business Assistance Center program have brought partnerships for government funding, as well as funding from local government, our counties, our cities, that wouldn't have been available to us otherwise. And it's also opened up doors for philanthropy that wouldn't have been available to us otherwise. People love the youth program, and it has gotten a lot of people excited about entrepreneurship. And uh, last but not least, we also annually sell our soul for a giant fundraiser. It's YBI Shark Tank, which is very mission-driven. We're trying to highlight our successful entrepreneurs and bring investment to them at the same time. And we put so much effort into making it fun and 
you know, allowing it to resonate so that the community gets a, a glimpse of what it's like to, to be an entrepreneur. And we're just always very mindful about, about both upholding our mission, um, but also about the, the long-term sustainability of the program. Because if you don't have that long-term sustainability, you, you, I mean, obviously, you're just throwing stones into a pond and creating ripples, but not really having a long-term effect. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that people people get grant money all the time, but they don't they don't always think ahead for, in regards to the sustainability and how we can keep this going. Once the grant money is gone. But, uh, you know, you also mentioned those uh, minority businesses, those smaller businesses. But, you, you know, your portfolio has some of the pro- most prolific tech companies in if not the country the world that you work with do you put as much time and support into those companies as you do the main street businesses that you also support you mentioned the youth entrepreneurship which you have an incredible program that's also been nationally recognized how how much effort is put into these two programmings you you know both big and small i'm just curious it's an almost impossible question to answer because they're such different programs. You know, you can you can start a wash service for laundry or car washes or a dog grooming business much faster than you can start a technology-based business. I mean, you're, you're talking apples and oranges, obviously, if you're developing a new product. The state of Ohio's program to support technology entrepreneurship is larger and more flexible than the Minority Business Assistance Program, um, which allows us to do different things than our um, Minority Business Program can. We've been able to supplement that MBAC program with federal funding through the Appalachian Regional Commission's Power Grant, as you mentioned. We are eternally grateful for that program, but it's a two-and-a-half-year grant. So, you know, figuring out what happens after that program sunsets is critical. We have a larger staff on our minority business side. The MBAC program and the Power Grant combined, uh, much larger staff than the ESP program, but they're just, they look entirely differently. That makes sense. You know, you mentioned the ARC funding and, and earlier, you also mentioned the Pittsburgh Green Building Alliance. I know you were just part of that Arise Award through. ARC in regards to green pro- becoming a green product manufacturing hub. And as part of the Arise program, you know, you have to be a multi-state uh, collaboration. Is this the first time that you've worked across borders with other other states and becoming a hub? I know they just announced a non-tech hubs from a federal level, but this is a little bit different. It's a green product manufacturing hub. Is this the first time you've worked across the border? What's Kind of the second, I guess. So um, we were awarded the U.S. Small Business Administration's Growth Accelerator Prize this summer. We were both a stage one and a stage two (coughs) winner. And through that, um, we are working to promote principally the submission of federal research grants to small to medium manufacturers in Appalachia. Our focus is, of course, on the Mahoning Valley, but we have a great new partner in the Kentucky Inventors Network and are also working with some other organizations in Northeast Ohio to do outreach to historically black colleges and universities that have advanced manufacturing programs. So with that, we're well beyond the geography of uh, the state of Ohio. 
that's new. It's only now just rolling out. So, you know, we're still figuring that out, but we can really work with any organization within Appalachia that would be interested in partnering with us to promote the programming. We've had some other earlier attempts, didn't succeed, but, you know, we have reached across the border in Pennsylvania, the counties immediately adjacent to us and hope to continue to build that relationship out too. I, I asked that question kind of because uh, I wanted to ask a follow-up. How You know, you have been so successful, and I mentioned this connection to Youngstown State University, having that at your at your doorstep. The, the, the entire Appalachian region, it, a lot of people know it as being based on extractive industries. I think this green building uh, alliance, the, the green product manufacturing hub, is kind of flipping that script. But... How can YBI, because you have been so successful, how, or do how do you think it can be duplicated or uh, kind of mimicked throughout the region to be successful in other areas of Appalachia, or can it? And on top of that, you know, what kind of advice would you give an incubator that's just trying to start up, or some try, some kind of entrepreneurial ecosystem that's just trying to start up in Appalachia? What kind of advice would you give them to not only uh, be successful, but to thrive in their own part of the region? Well, I think you really have to have a, a pretty good sense of who your potential partners are. We talked about that earlier. A one-man show doesn't go very far. Uh, you just really need to understand who is out there that can help you raise funds if that's what you need, provide services, because good advice is hard to find. It's easy to find advice, but it's hard to find good advice. And really taking stock of what the best opportunities would be. Do you need to specialize? Do you have a, uh, something that you can build upon that would generate new deal flow for you to work with? Or do you have to create it? And I, I think what's just really critical to success is being willing to shift. You can have the best plan in the world, but that plan can't account for all eventualities. So being fluid and allowing yourself the opportunity to learn and grow um, and to go where the world takes you is, is really imperative. I mean, we don't have any particular fairy dust here. A lot of hard work and lots of people work hard and don't see the same level of success. I, I mean, no disrespect to them, but it's definitely something that can be duplicated. It's just a question of finding those right opportunities you hit some, you miss some. I mean, by no means have we hit every award we have ever submitted. Um, and you, you play the odds. Uh, I, I wanted to give you a chance if there are any entrepreneurs out there in your region, if they are in need of services, how, how can they reach YBI? What's the best way to approach uh, the incubator? Um, well, we do, of course, have a website. So it's YBI.org. And there is a link on there that you can submit an idea. Uh, we are somewhat geographically constrained outside of the advanced manufacturing space, but if we can find a way to assist somebody or at least make a good referral, we're always happy to do so. Um, definitely looking for manufacturing partners, advanced manufacturing and otherwise. So, you know, by all means, reach out. Our general email account is info at YBI.org. It's monitored. People will get back to you. My email is my first initial B. Last name Ewing, E-W-I-N-G, B-Ewing at YBI.org. And um, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. We do live in a digital world. And um, I 
will confess that um, I respond much better to, to emails and to phone calls, at least initially. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word Appalachia? Outdoors, mountains, creeks. I guess it's more than one word. Nature. Let's go with nature. <laughs> that works. We, we obviously hear that a lot. That, um, mountains, no right or wrong. It's just always good to hear different people's perspective on, on that word. And I also wanted to ask you, and you were, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but we kind of ground our podcast on place and perspective. Place is really important to Neil and I, uh, to our family, but um, just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Oh, well, I mean, home for me is clearly Columbia County. For those of you who aren't um, familiar, that's where the train derailment happened last February. My mom's family is all from that area. I think that what makes it home for me, I, I mean, I could have lived anywhere in the world, obviously. We all have that choice. But after high school, after I got past that initial, I'm leaving and never coming back, um, I never really considered going anywhere else. Home is home. And my family, my friends, everybody is still here. Um, I love living in what I consider to be a rural rural area. Um, my boyfriend and I have a small farm. I drive to a farmer's market on Saturday afternoon to get uh, vegetables and eggs and those types of things and could not imagine living in city traffic or and and of course there are cities in Appalachia I don't mean to say that it's not but I like the rural lifestyle I would never consider living somewhere that um, didn't afford me the opportunity to walk in the country at least once a week. I want to thank you again for for taking the time for talking about not only the Youngstown Business Incubator, but the region from your perspective and what you guys do and the impact that you have on the on the region. I want to thank you for your work. Thank you for the incredible work that the incubator does. Thank you. Putting that part of Appalachia on the map in regards to tech led economic development. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that very much. Look forward to finding new partners through this. Well, good stuff from the uh, YBI, can I call it that? The Youngstown Business Incubator. Good things happening in uh, not just football. It's not just a football town. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the blue... Blue collar football over there in Youngstown producing some of the most innovative tech you could think of, especially when you're talking about software and advanced manufacturing. Yes, pretty incredible stuff, man. I'm so grateful for Barb's time today and and her being willing to to be on the show. So I hope our listeners will enjoy it also. Yeah, I, I, I like that she mentioned the sustainability of YBI, you know, YBI has been around for 30 years. It's not like we mentioned in the episode. It's not an overnight success, but they've figured out ways to become sustainable and grow their campus from originally one building to now five buildings where they uh, have become really a leader in 3D printing, a leader in advanced manufacturing and software development. YBI, like I said, doing, doing great stuff, man. Super cool to have them on our show. I think it's pretty incredible that one, not a whole lot of people outside of the region know about YBDI, yet we have in Appalachia, where a lot of people don't think as tech centered. You know, I mentioned we mentioned in the intro 
31 tech hubs across the country. Only three of those are in Appalachia. But we're really a driver of tech, a driver of innovation here in Appalachia. And YBI is just a part of that. How about how about business of the week this week, Will? Do you have a business of the week for us? Or are we going to pick one that YBI has contributed to? We are going to pick one that is in YBI's portfolio. I wanted to mention it because Christmas is coming up. If you have a kid that wears glasses, but you can't find those child side glasses, some that don't fit, wrong color, uh, wrong size, fits, frames, F-I-T-Z, frames, is out of their portfolio. And it manufactures children's eyewear using 3D printing technology. The CEO, Heidi Hurdle, and Gabrielle Schlumberger brought the company from California to Youngstown, to Appalachia, specifically because of their 3D printing and technology that they provide. They actually are quoted as saying, the more research we did, the more we were impressed with the city and saw it to be the Silicon Valley of all things 3D printing. So I think that says a lot about YBI what it can do for a region, what it can do for an area in regards to attracting business. But this is a cool business in and of itself. It has this AI-generated technology that it, you can take a pictures of your child's face and head. It will digitally measure the head and produce form-fitting frames using 3D printing technology uh, and ship to you just as quick as you can get glasses anywhere else. So I think it's a cool business been around for a little bit but check it out as a parent of a child with glasses i'll definitely have to look into that one it's such a unique idea and i'll never forget because my dog's name is fitz but fitzframes.com f-i-t-z frames.com yeah i wanted to mention that we'll also post in the show note as also uh, also at business of the week before Portfolio companies in within YBI, they have a number of them. You can take a look at all of them. Um, a lot of them, obviously, 3D printing, software development, tech-oriented. But there are also, also some mom-and-pop shops that they um, have as part of their portfolio that they help out in, in regards to the entrepreneur ecosystem they have there. Good stuff, man. I'm uh, glad to be back, glad to get to catch up with you and we had a great guest on tonight so another great episode of Appalachia Meets World definitely I guess since we're at the end we can end it like we usually do till next time peace I'm up in the mountains again I'm getting lighter the air's getting thin now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong In the mountains